that's got like our logo on it or something. Yeah. And and cut it with the the old "It is Wednesday, my dudes." <laughs> I think that would. Be I right. gotta put that together. All right, we are back on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We have four basketball games to talk about today: two Badgers and two Bucks. We are gonna start with the Badgers. Now, there was only two games in the last week for both teams, so we're skipping power pair this week because it's you're basically averaging out two games. So we'd rather just spend a little bit more time talking about the context and a little bit less time talking about the averages of two. So let's start with the Badgers and Liberty game. This was, geez, it feels like forever ago now. (laughs) But let's talk about the morning game between Liberty and Wisconsin. Well, I'm glad you said morning game, first of all, because last week we were both talking how we didn't want the 11 Mm o'clock game. And then we we got the 11 o'clock game, and I was like, all right, well, you know, it is what it fucking is, right? And then the other point that you said is it feels like forever ago. And our next game is going to feel like forever ago <laughs> when we uh, face uh, North Texas. And a little side note before I get into this, I'm kind of hoping for Cincinnati and Wisconsin just so we can call it the Luke Fickle game, I guess. I don't know. That, that's, the, that's the consolation prize. Uh, oh, yeah, we don't get the scumbag game anymore. Yeah, but we could still call it the scumbag uh, NIT trophy if we win. I mean, if, if we win, win it, yeah. Um, I think that would be tremendous. Now – Let's get into this Liberty Wisconsin game. Liberty is not a slouch, by the way. Liberty is a good team. Um, they were what twenty-seven and eight. Yeah, first it's in the Atlantic Sun They played a lot. That's a lot of basketball games for a college basketball team. Thirty-five. Yes. That's a lot of basketball games. That's yeah. um, that, that's the first thing I noticed. I was like, man, these guys are student athletes. They're playing almost forty basketball <laughs> games. That is tough. But if we get into it real quick. First things first, we got to give give credit to Chucky Hepburn, right? Uh, going into mm-hmm. this game, he had nine points combined in the in his last two games before that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had he had nineteen points in the first half alone. He he was hooping. Um, the Badgers uh, outscored Liberty twenty to eleven from the free throw line in this game. I thought that mm-hmm. was something to uh, mm-hmm. to make note of. I am going to hammer home on free throw shooting. Because I'll say, put a pin in that. We're going to come back to it. I promise you. That that is something that has definitely changed. Um, the Badgers, this, this was their, their 18th game decided by five points or less. Uh, although it was, it was their 19th game. My my apologies. They played 18. This was their 19th game decided by five points or less. They improved to 12 and seven after this one. There's just a lot of stuff to take away from this game. And I have a lot of points that I'm going to bring up and I'm, finish talking about an opening game because yeah. it's a lot of stuff that changed from the regular season and i think a lot of stuff that changed is the reason that me and you were so on board with making the nit and all those okay. whiny fans that are like oh i got don't, don't go don't go to nit and then people are like oh you're, you're lowering the standards of the program if you're okay with it's like no we're not these are building blocks and you see, can see this, this paragraph down here is my my thought slash rant that I'm going to go on about the NIT. Yeah. So I'm I'm I am very excited to see that I'm doing my little mini rant right now. All right, do and it. And the Badgers went down in this game, sixty-one to fifty-four, with ten minutes left. They finished this game on a twenty-one to ten run. They obviously ended up winning this game, right? And 
They hit two clutch free throws at the end of this game. They hit a lot of big time jumpers. That that is two things. That's that's a few things right there that that didn't happen in the regular season. They they struggled closing out games. They didn't go on big massive runs, and they didn't hit free throws. That is three things that they have gained confidence in in just the last two games alone. Yeah. You know, and then you can go back to the Bradley game, and you can talk about Stephen Crowell having the one of one of his best games as a Badger. Period. And Easily. he had a great scoring game, and he was hitting threes. and And the other thing that he's doing that I respect is he's showing a little bit more toughness down low and controlling mm-hmm. the rebounds. Yeah. So, like I said before, there's a lot of shit that is improving from the regular season. We're, mm-hmm. we're being more physical. We are making our free throws. We're going on runs. The one constant that did stay that I will give credit to Greg Gard and this basketball team is the tough defense and the the constant cool under pressure, in my opinion. Now, they didn't always make the shot, right? Mm-hmm. I said that before, but that doesn't mean that they did they never they never walked away and they were never afraid of the moment, right? Yeah. Never rattled. Me and you both called Max Klesman early in the year. We, we said that he was the guy, right? Yeah. We both said that he was not afraid of the bright lights. And in the final two minutes and 10 seconds in this game, he scored seven points, including the two free throws with six seconds left to ice this game. He scored so, the final seven points. The final seven points. So with that being said, I'm just going to – I'm going to leave my notes where they are. I'm going to let you go on your rant. And then when we get to the Oregon game, I will conclude my rant. All right, so I'm going to say what's up to Dan and Tim. Welcome in, guys. What's up, boys? So with the Liberty game, um, seeing you, to your point about Stephen Crowell showing a little bit more toughness, he's figuring out, and I'm not saying he didn't always have the ability to do this, but he's doing it more, and it's becoming more noticeable, is the timing of his shoulder bump. Yeah, It's not like a lowering of the shoulder, but to bump into the chest of your, of your defender – and then using that space to put up your jump hook or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm noticing his timing of that move improving. He's not doing it and then, you know, trying to look for one more step. He's doing it as he's making a step and then doing all the move one fluid motion. Yes. So that's that's what I'm noticing with, with Stephen Crowell. And then um, with – the Badgers, to your point again about not being rattled, um, there was a play where Liberty missed a shot and like an offensive rebound got tipped. So everybody's trying to scramble back to get back to their man. And to their credit, um, nobody got rattled. Everybody fanned out back to um, back to Liberty players, and they forced a shot clock violation. That's impressive. Yes. Um, Chucky Epperin, like you said, playing well. His 19 points, that tied Stephen Crowell from the Bradley game for the most points in the first half mm-hmm. this entire season. Um, Chucky Hepburn and Connor Siegen were kind of just carrying the offense in the first half. And like you said, it was really good to see Chucky Hepburn having a bounce-back game. <sighs> the first half, the Badgers had 37 points. Yep. Five of them came at the free-throw line. Chucky Hepburn hit one jump shot. At seven points. The other 30, all in the paint. Good. <laughs> the Badgers had 30 paint points out of 37 first half points. Chucky Hepburn was absolutely bullying the point guard on the other team. 
The Badgers in the first half, 84% on twos. You win a lot of games doing that, I'll just say. <laughs> that's impressive. That's uh, like it's a little bit of salt in the wound, but that's basically what Ohio State did to the Badgers in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. And the Badgers obviously learned from it, so I'm True. not sad about that at all. True. Um, second half, I want to give credit to Tyler Wall. Stephen Crowell gets the ball in the post, and after the game that he had against Bradley, Liberty double-teamed him in the post. As soon as the ball went to Stephen Crowell, Tyler Wall dove to the basket, got himself a nice easy layup. Um, you mentioned Max Klusman already, and like I mentioned Tyler Wall a little bit, who actually quietly had a very good game. A lot of focus was on Stephen Crowell and Chucky Hepburn. Mm-hmm. I want to give some credit to Kamari McGee because at one point he poked the ball away and dove on the floor and forced a jump ball. The Badgers didn't have the possession arrow yet, but for him to dive on the floor and then a couple possessions later make two free throws to tie the game, you look in the box score and you see Kamari McGee only scored two points. But what you didn't notice is that two possessions earlier, he poked the ball away from a ball handler and dove on the ground to get the possession arrow to go back to Wisconsin. And the two points that he scored were two clutch free throws to tie the game. True that, man. That was that's good stuff. <laughs> um, Max Klesman hit the Badgers' first three. It was a dribble pull-up that he hit and gave the Badgers a one-point lead. That was cold-blooded. I wasn't going to bring up the three-point shooting because it was like, what is going on? That's the on? only thing I was going to say about it. <laughs> and this is we've, – we've tiptoed around Max Klesman being – a very closeout player for the Badgers. We've seen it defensively at least twice. We've seen him do things like this game. And I want to give credit to Greg Gard because Chucky Hepburn was cooking. Tyler Wall was shooting well. Um, Stephen Crowell was seven for nine. He was shooting well. And out of a timeout, he goes to Max Klesman. Like the stones that that takes, like, you know, it might not be, to just say, you know, oh, you went to Max Klesman, that doesn't take stones. But to take the ball out of the hands of guys who are scoring for you and saying, hey, the attention is going to be on them. We're going to go to Max Klesman. And for him to get a drive and a left-handed layup that gave the Badgers um, a lead, that's that's great stuff. That's Let me, let me compound on that real quick. The play call, I think, was brilliant. To mm. give the ball to Klesman and immediately have him going downhill towards the rim – and, yes, Max being a right-handed player, being able to go left and finish left high off the glass definitely helps. But the play call, like you said, all the attention is going to be on Hepburn and Crowell and, you know, even Tyler Wall to have, you know, Connor. Max Klesman kind of be, you know, the closer and have him just be flying to the rim going downhill. Like, you got one option. You're either going to follow him or or he's going to score, you know. And for to have him going downhill, I thought that was brilliant. And we, we've talked about it a bunch of times about the Badgers needing a dribble drive guy, mm-hmm. a guy that can be a threat to you off the dribble. And we brought up that Max Klesman is probably the best guy for that. And here he is getting a dribble drive to the basket that helps seal the win for the Badgers. It's like we know stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um. What I will say on the Badgers' three-point shooting is that the Badgers had a couple that went, like, just in and out. Tyler Wall, he's he's on, like, the block. So he's, like, kind of even with the basket. And there's a guy, like, in his face. And Tyler Wall figures out a way 
to get an around his man pass to Chucky Hepburn in the corner, and the ball goes halfway down and out, and I'm like, how did the basketball gods not let that one go in? Because that was a nuts fucking pass by Tyler Wall. For him to be like not be able to see Chucky Hepburn in that corner and for him to pass it around an absolute strike to Chucky and it oh, halfway down and out. I'm like, oh, that would have been nuts because the pass by Tyler Wall was so awesome. Yeah. <sighs> but anyways, with the Badgers three-point shooting, it to me it was wild that Liberty had a chance to make a wide open three and they missed it. Yeah. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well uh, from the three point line either. I mean, eight of 27 isn't crazy bad or good. It's kind of average. That's that's college average, but they they have the guy on their team that uh, has the second most three pointers made in college basketball history. So for, for that, them not to make one, that's pretty crazy. Right. And that same player that's McGee, his is spelled a little bit different than Kamari McGee, but um, for him to get the ball at the end of the game and Carter Gilmore to play really good defense on him. Mm-hmm. That's another guy that needs credit. He's not going to show up, you know, super big in the box score, but for him to play really good defense at the end of the game as well, especially without following, um, Carter Gilmore gets some credit for that. So Chucky Hepburn, career high, 27 points. He was 9 of 11 from the field. Tyler Wall had 16 points, six rebounds. He was five of six from the mm-hmm. field and six for seven on free throws. Stephen Kroll, 14 points. He was seven for nine from the field. Um, Max Klesman and Connor Siegen each had seven points. Connor Siegen added five rebounds. And then Carter Gilmore also added five rebounds. Um, so in the game was lowing on, you know, this was a game where really everybody um, did some contribution. So. Is there anything else you want to say about the Badgers and Liberty game? I um, just want to point out a few things. I know that Hepburn okay. didn't shoot the ball well from, from three-point line. He was 0 for 6. But his ability to just get to the paint and get the shots that he wanted, he looked comfortable. I think that's the game that that Chucky should model his game around. Getting to the rim, getting, getting foul calls. He ended up 9 of 11 from the free throw line, so that's very, very yep. good. Um so getting to the rim and just bullying dudes, right? And then when you when you bully somebody on offense, you're getting to the rim, you're absolutely demoralizing them, making them feel tiny. And then you go on defense, you could strip the ball from them and absolutely clamp them up. Imagine the mental fortitude of that guy to try to battle through that for 40 fucking minutes, dude. With that too, is like once you like are getting into a, the chest of a defender and you know, still scoring on them, they're gonna start taking a step away from you. Mm-hmm. and that's where Chucky Hepburn, you're going to get the space to shoot. So I guess what I'm saying with, to go with your point is that Chucky Hepburn could work himself inside out. Yeah, in that and way. he definitely has the game for that, and I think that fits his Absolutely. play a little bit better. He was, and I'm starting to think that maybe he wasn't healthy all year either because he looks he looks smooth the last couple of games. What was it? He it was in... It was like the second or third last game of the year. He like tweaked his knee. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I remember that. I wonder I, if that had an effect on him. His legs definitely look better though. You can you can tell. I didn't even think about that. All right. Now, is there anything else you want to say about Liberty? No, I'm ready All to right. talk about this horrible fucking court we had to stare at for three hours. 
at first, so I showed it to Courtney, right? So I'm watching it on my on my tablet, mm-hmm. and I'm like, so she hates the the Nets like black, white, and gray. Yeah. And then when the Warriors did that, like same thing a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago when the Bucks were playing in uh, in the Warrior Stadium, she hates both of those. She hates like the monochromatic look. Mm-hmm. So I showed her, and I'm like, what do you think of this? And she's like, oh, it's, she's like, that's kind of cool, I guess. And then she looked at it a little bit more, and she's like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> it's like, I think the concept of the court is cooler than the actual court, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, and, and the same thing goes for, like, the war. The Warriors court is better than the Nets. I'll say that right now. Sure. Because the, the out-of-bounds kind of transition, I kind of like that. But the Nets, you know, when they and they when they wear the, those gray jerseys, it was just like, yeah. Holy crap, dude! I'm it's like you're watching TV in the '50s. Yeah, and I'm getting a, I'm getting a headache trying to focus on who the hell has the ball right now. <laughs> it's Thankfully, it's orange. <laughs> True that. It's the only thing that's in color. <laughs> True that. All right, so I showed that to her, and like the thing is with their court, like a bunch of the trees are like dark brown, right? Yeah. And then the 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 three point line and all the lines. They're all dark green. So it's like you're trying to stare at like dark brown and dark green and trying to find where the three-point line is. Like it's probably easier on the court, but it's not easy when you're watching it on television. And they have yellow in their color palette. Why didn't they just make anything yellow? They made nothing yellow, dude. Make the you can make the lines yellow, you can make the lines white, like make it yeah. easier to see. Yeah. And what I thought was funny, so Oregon is the ducks, right? Yeah. <sighs> And they put Mighty Oregon on their jersey. Yeah. Like, really? You're just going to tiptoe right around Mighty Ducks? Really? Really? Yeah. I'm like, all right, whatever. (laughs) All right. What stood out to you from the Oregon game? All right. So I'm just going to start with free throws. Um, Free throw shooting has now become a strength. Mm -hmm. And I know I said it, God, maybe mid-season. When we were all, you know, Mike was on the show and we were all kind of talking like, man, free throws shooting is pretty bad, you know, especially in the clutch. And now that it's become a strength and we're making them, it is not shocking to me that we are winning basketball games. So over the last three games, that includes Bradley, Oregon and Liberty, the Badgers have shot 55 of 65 from the free throw line. That is 85 percent. Opponents have shot 24 of 52 that is 46%. So that disparity, yeah, we've scored 31 more points from the free throw line than our opponents and only shot 13 more. So think about that. Think about that. That is that is massive. And I want to give a shout-out to Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall got blocked five times in the first half. Five times. And I respect him for – you know, we're playing a road game. The first two, obviously, were home games. We're playing a road game. He's trying to be a senior leader and be like, all right, I'm going to be the one to be aggressive and get to the rim this game, mm-hmm. right? And it just wasn't working. I mean, the Badgers overall shot a pretty bad percentage. I believe it was like 15 or 16% in the first half overall. So, I mean, yeah, not great. It didn't get much better in the second half. It, it didn't. They had a little stretch where they were kind of kicking some ass. But, right. um, other, I mean – for him to stay with it and show the poise and be like, okay, you guys, this guy's coming over very aggressively when I get in the post, right? 
So I'm going to do some wraparounds. I'm going to kick it, you know, I'm going to swing it, you know, cross court, move the defense, move the eyes. And that's the thing that Tyler Wall figured out. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest keys to the game that changed everything. He had two passes that I'm going to talk about. He had one with like two, two and a half minutes left where he was in the post. He got doubled. He wrapped it around the center and Crow got an easy, like little gimme layup. Right. And I'm just like, Whew, that was a nice pass. Right. Mm -hmm. Then he had the one, you know, and we're, you're going to bring this up again. They, they come out of the timeout. There's a minute left in the game. They go into the zone and the Badgers, they looked not right at first. Right. Mm -hmm. And they ended up swinging the ball all the way over to Tyler wall. Tyler wall is just like, Hey, there's that guy with the afro that can make big time shots. I'm gonna give it to him. So he passes the ball, absolute freaking laser, by the way. Basically the same spot that Max Klesman just hit a three pointer, a big time shot, uh, maybe a little bit, a little bit to the left. But yeah. you know, the point still remains. Chucky grabs that thing, hucks it up, and it goes in. And I'm just like, this is the Wisconsin Badgers. Yes. The patience, the tough defense, the the timely shot making, vision, and. I don't hear the great guard crowd right now. I don't hear the fire fire guard crowd because yeah. this is what the Wisconsin Badgers are. Yeah. This is a team that could beat a Marquette team. That is very, very good. This is a team that can hang with a Kansas team. That is very, very good. They beat a USC. They obviously just beat Oregon and Oregon. And Oregon's not a joke. I'm not at all saying that they're a joke. I mean, they are they were banged up and weren't 100 percent healthy. Right. But to go into Oregon and beat them on their home court hold them under 60 points. I mean, there's not much more you can ask for. This is the True. Wisconsin Badgers team, and this is why I love the NIT acceptance from the Badgers. This is building blocks, and I'm going to keep saying Absolutely. that. You're going to keep saying that. We all yep. believe this. Mikey believes it too. I'm just going to speak for Mikey on this because I know Mikey believes the same thing. These are things that guys can figure out where they want to be on the floor and where they can succeed, where their teammates succeed. And going into next season when we're going to hopefully get a couple transfers, bring in some, some highly recruited players, some young guys like Gus Buss, Gus Yeldon. Um, yep. Noah Winter, Minnesota Noah basketball Winter. Gatorade player of the year. Yeah, for real. Um, this Badgers team next year, they could be a problem. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first. And Greg Gard has made comments, you know, saying that he understands the reality of the transfer portal and saw the effects that it had on them this year. And looking at a guy like Max Klesman, who they got in the transfer portal. Yeah. And, you know, as far as people giving shit to Greg Gard for his recruiting, but the Badgers are the only team to offer Connor Zijan in the Big Ten. Think about that, bro. That's crazy. Think about that. So, with the Oregon game, two turnovers on the first three possessions. Kind of a rough start. You mentioned the shooting was a little bit tough, but Tyler Wall did hit a three that gave the Badgers a 10-line lead after that bit of a rough start. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys you didn't mention yet, and I want to give credit to, and I'm going to bring him up a couple times during this game, but Johnny, or Johnny, damn it. I haven't done that again in like three weeks, and now here I am. <laughs> Jordan Davis did a great job of getting an offensive rebound, grabs the offensive rebound, dribbles the ball out to reset. Nobody steps up to him, and Jordan Davis cashes a three. So that was good to see from, from Jordan Davis. Yeah. And then for a good chunk of the first half, Oregon was doubling the post. And the Badgers weren't moving the ball quick enough, which is something that I've talked about before, is wanting to see the ball move quicker, especially going from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And 
It was later in the first half, and they stopped doubling in the post. Stephen Cole got the ball, recognized that they didn't double, and immediately went and scored. So I wanted to give Stephen Crowell credit for noticing that. Um, I will say for Connor Asijan, his greatest challenge for next season is going to be improving defensively. I agree with that. Um, and it's it's not a secret. Like we've talked about it before, but he's he's shown some flashes. But it's it's something he needs to improve on. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Connor Asijan sucks or anything like that. But going forward, we we like to look at ways to improve. And Connor, for him to improve, he's going to need to improve on his defensive positioning. Yeah. So, all in all, super ugly first half. Mm-hmm. Turnovers, shots blocked. The free throws did help the Badgers. They were five of six in the first half. Oregon was one of five. Yeah. Second half, like I said, the Badgers, they're playing against a team that's taller and more athletic. Mm-hmm. When you're doing that, like I get wanting to still establish a paint, a paint presence, but when those double teams are coming and guys are like flying in the air to try to block your shot, work the ball inside out, especially if they're doubling the post. The faster you move the ball, the more you tire those guys out, the more guys can lose their assignments. Good things happen. You get open shots, whether it be in the post or in the three-point line. 30 seconds on the clock. The Badgers have never been shy to use 28 of the 30. Never have, man. Never so will. <laughs> just, just keep passing the ball back and forth. The Badgers don't turn the ball over either. So as long as you're making good passes, just keep moving the ball. I agree. Make them chase you around. Mm-hmm. And eventually someone will get lost and you can get an open shot. Uh, I will say as far as Tyler Wall being aggressive, the dude couldn't buy a damn foul call. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. Some of the shots, like he, he did just get blocked or he got caught um, once by a guard that kind of slipped down and kind of snuck one away from him. Like, shit happens. Mm-hmm. But for him to not be able to get any follow calls was frustrating, but um, Oregon hit a couple threes. They strung some runs together, um, a six Oh run and a 10 Oh run. And during that 10 Oh run, the Badgers shot selection was not great. Yeah. Uh, some contested jump shots, just some dribble pull up jump shots with no passes in the possession. The Badgers at one point were three for 18 in the second half on field goals. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough. It was rough, but yeah. they clawed back into it, making some free throws. Uh, Max Klesman getting into it, and then, like Jake said, that Oregon went into a zone after the timeout. That was a huge mistake. It took two passes for the Badgers to be like, "Okay, oh, they're in zone," and then to be like, "All right, they're in zone." And Tyler Wall made the one pass over the top of the defense. Chucky Hepburn hit a three and made him pay. <coughs> um. We are at what? It was what? 2.7, 2.2 seconds left at the end of the game? Yep. It's fantastic recognition and communication, silent communication between Tyler Wall and Max Klesman to get that deep pass into the front court. That's great. Max Klesman, I need you. I need you to just dribble that ball to the corner, bud. Yeah. I know going to try to take the open layup is tempting, yeah. and it probably was a foul. And but we you know we got lucky that that they touched the ball. But Max, I need you to dribble that ball to the corner, bud. <laughs> dribble those last couple seconds out. Yeah, or or just dribble dribble to a spot in the middle and just kind of you know just hold yeah. on to it. You Sit only on have it. to hold on for a little bit, man. Yeah, <laughs> I and I get it. I know like seeing the basket wide open is so tempting, but yeah, just just a little bit of awareness there, and it's something like it didn't hurt the Badgers, but 
you know, a potential learning moment for, yeah. for Max Klesmet. So dribble that ball out, bud. 100%. Now, I want to bring up, you mentioned, like, all the totals from the free throws, but Oregon finished 4 for 12. The Badgers made as many as Oregon shot. They were 12 of 13. That's fucking phenomenal, dude. And you know me, basketball being a game of runs, I like to notice the runs. So I expanded it to three different chunks. So this is how the Badgers ended the game. The Badgers ended the game on a 24 to 13 run. The Badgers ended the game on a 15 to 6 run. The Badgers ended the game on a 10 to 3 run. Those are all good. Those are all very good. <laughs> so those are the runs expanded out that the Badgers finished the game on um, after Oregon had a seven point lead, eight point lead. Uh, eight, I think it was. I think it was like it was 52. It might have been six. Uh, yeah. Well, we're it was 52 46 at one point for sure. Yeah. But for them to close that game out, and like you said, free throws, I think it was both of the Northwestern games. One was decided by two, one was decided by three, and the Badgers had missed like a total of like 11 free throws in between the two games. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of moments where the Badgers obviously could have learned from this season, and right. I'm so glad that they they have. And yeah. like I said before, they are playing Wisconsin Badgers basketball right now. This is the Badgers team yeah. I grew up on. Tough defense, make free throws, timely shots. Yep. And- Don't turn the ball over. You know, and the last couple of games, you know, since you keep bringing that up, the last couple of games, it's like they get all the turnovers right out of the, right out of the gate. They're just like, you know what, we're just going to get all of our turnovers over in the first 10 minutes, and then we're just not going to turn it over the rest of the game. It's just like, yeah. maybe just don't do that. Maybe just don't <laughs> turn it over at all. <laughs> don't end up behind. But Yeah, start the game on a 10-2 to two run instead of being down 8-1 to yeah, one or, you know, right. whatever. But To their credit, they are uh, overcoming the adversity and, and learning from it, so – this is, uh, this is an exciting time for, for Wisconsin. Yeah. So Max Klesmit finished with 18 points and four rebounds. He was 6 of 7 on free throws. Chucky Hepburn had 12 points and three steals. Stephen Kroll quietly had a really good game. Nine points, 10 rebounds, three assists. Connor Sejan had nine points and five rebounds. Jordan Davis, six points, eight rebounds. Yeah, he definitely – he had a quiet, really good game, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Carter Gilmore deserves some credit. He only had two points, but he also had three rebounds and three assists. If I almost want to say that he's the heart of the team. I'm not even lying. Uh, it The way that he just battles on defense just got to be inspiring to all the teammates. He's like the living embodiment of knowing your role. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Like he knows he's like the seventh guy coming in. Mm-hmm. But he knows that his role is to play some really tough defense, grab some rebounds, and just make the smart plays on offense. Yeah, and he's doing a damn good job of that. I'll say that. And then, then there's Tyler Wall, who did struggle to score because he was, you know, working hard. He was banging down low. He only finished with five points, but seven rebounds, six assists, and two steals. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. If if he finishes some of those layups, that's a monster game. Yeah, we're we're talking about being three rebounds and four assists shy of a triple double. Yeah, and like I said, I said this what two weeks ago. Like, there's it's possible that Tyler Wall could fuck around and have a triple double at some point. Oh, I 100 percent agree. That's his play style. Yeah, absolutely, and he's got the vision for it as well. Mm-hmm. 
So if that happens, I'm going to have to go back to the archives and find when I said that and be like, I said this like a month ago. <laughs> and I'm smart. <laughs> yeah. I know stuff. I know stuff and things. Stuff and things. So now we have to wait another week yeah. for another basketball game for the Badgers. They play next Tuesday. It's going to be in Vegas. They have not announced what time the game is going to be at yet. But, and here's, this is where I stand. And I know, regardless of what happens, because the two things that people are going to say, whether the Badgers win it all, is they're going to say it's just the NIT, or if they lose, it's just going to be they couldn't even win in the NIT. So there's, you know, for the pessimistic fans, there's going to be a no-win situation already. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. For those still complaining about the NIT, it's a postseason tournament. No, if they win it, it won't be a national championship. But if the Badgers find a way to rattle off five straight wins to win a tournament, why isn't that something to celebrate? I think people need to stop looking at it like it's a consolation prize and just look at it for what it is. It's just another postseason tournament. Mm -hmm. We get excited when they win, like I said this last week, we get excited when they win like the Maui Invitational. That's Mm -hmm. like a preseason tournament. Obviously, the game's coming towards your record, but... You know, when they win those tournaments, we get excited for that. Why are we not excited for them to win a, a tournament in the postseason? That's a great point. I mean, like I said, just stop looking at it like a consolation prize and look at it as if they win it, that they rattled off five straight victories. Yeah, and, and take the context and how they won those games and the things that they improved on into the consideration of rattling off five straight Ws. I think when the, when the Badgers basketball season is over – Whenever that ends up being, we should look at what they improved during the NIT. Oh, I've already started the list. Thing. Mm-hmm. The, the free throw shooting to me is really almost the biggest turnaround. The, the, team, the team shot 68% in the, in the regular season at free throws. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, they're shooting 85%. That is massive. I would also throw in Stephen Crowell's paint confidence. Yep. And you brought up – in uh, Credit to you, he is definitely gaining better rhythm with his post touches. He looks way, way more smooth than he did before. It was kind, of, it was kind of like he was he was struggling to push them before, and then right. he would have to push them and then get his feet, and then he would still get knocked off. But right. now with him getting his feet in front of him, underneath him, and establishing that ground, that was that's good stuff. That's high level IQ right there by you, buddy. <laughs> so before we move on to the Bucks, let me ask you this question. Okay. Is Max Klesman the Badgers' most clutch player? Uh, this season or overall? This season. Yes. Okay. I, agree. I, I, I think that he is this season. Overall, the guy with the best potential to be is Chucky Hepburn. Chucky Hepburn can literally get any shot that he wants yeah. when he's right. He can get to the paint. He can do step backs from mid-range. He can hit a three leaning to his right, his left. Chucky is that guy that if he goes to the next level, along with Stephen Crowell, next season the Badgers can win the Big Ten. I firmly believe that. I, I really do. I mean, Purdue's going to be knocked down. Edie's probably going to the, the NBA, right, even though he probably shouldn't because he's going to get absolutely dog-walked in the league. Yeah. You think a big, giant guy is going to be able to keep up with a John ja Morant? He's not – honestly, Zach Edie's not going to be able to keep up with Chet Holmgren. Do you, yeah. 
I want you know, and he, he's looked at as this big giant moment of a man, which obviously he is. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> that first shoulder in the chest from Giannis is gonna feel like Thor hitting you, man. It's that's gonna be an eye opener for him. You're not. I can't, dude. Picture next season Giannis dunking on a guy that's seven four. Well, you know, picture it. I can't wait to watch that replay over and over again because it's gonna be it's gonna be marvelous. Because he already, he dunks on whoever he wants. Okay, like we said last week, you you either get out of the way or you get dunked on. That, that's the choices you you live with. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much. Where, that's pretty much where you're at. Yeah. It is, um, it is. I wanted to ask you that because I think it is. I think it is Max Klesman. We have seen Chucky Hepburn be that guy. Like we've seen him make some game winners. We've seen him make clutch, clutch shots like the three pointer that he made last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Max Klesman to like just turn it on at the end of games, and we've seen both of them do it defensively. Yeah, that's probably the biggest key. I agree with that. So that's like it's that's what like when you bring up the defensive side of it, like that makes it a little bit tougher. But they've both closed well defensively, even going back earlier in the season. Like Max Klesman, I think it was against USC that he was being driven on, and he smacked the ball out with his left hand and like sealed the game. So yeah. it's tough, and it's almost like a one A one B situation with Max Klesman and Chucky Hepburn. But I agree with you. Yeah, best part is they're they're, uh, they're both on our team. So yes, <laughs> that is us. the best part. All right, you ready to talk some NBA? Yeah, um, we're gonna talk this Pacers game, and I gotta say, it's a little awkward talking about the other basketball team, the one blowing the lead. Isn't that awkward? That's weird. It, it is awkward, and like I'm I'm glad the Bucks at least do this for us strictly for no other reason. But if they're going to lose a game and win a game, that they lose the first one and then win the second one so we can end on a high note. So yeah. I appreciate the Bucks taking our feelings into account for that matter <laughs> and, well, and for no other reason that they won the Raptors game. But let's let's start with the Pacers game. Well, this game started out, and, you know, I saw that Halliburton was out, and I texted you. I was like, man, this this game might be over already, right? We've yep. this, we won this big, fat run. Giannis is dunking on everybody. People are feeling good. Milwaukee, uh, the forum is loud. Everybody's feeling great. And then the Pacers started playing a little bit more pace. Yep. And when you up the pace, especially in the NBA, all these guys are talented, right? Yep. And me and you have talked about, you know, Jordan Awara and how he doesn't play good defense and he doesn't, you know, dribble the ball very well. And those things are still true. Like, don't get me wrong. Those things are still true. But he can shoot. And when you play with mm-hmm. pace, you allow guys to get into rhythm, get more touches, and that's that's what happened basically. Open and, in transition. Yeah, they they just started pushing the pace because they were the 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 not as talented team as the Milwaukee Bucks. But to their credit, they just made shots, man, and the Bucks did it. The Pacers made twenty two out of forty six three pointers. That's almost fifty percent. That is freaking massive. The Bucks shot eleven of thirty two. This is the first game in I don't even know how long. That the Bucks did not shoot the three pointer well. Like every game for uh, last month and a half, I was I'm going into the game. I'm thinking like, all right, well we got 15 to 17 three pointers, right? That's that's what I'm thinking going into this game. Overall, we still shot good, 53 percent from the field. But See, maybe the Philly game, the game where the uh, streak got broken. Oh yeah, maybe that. I don't know. You keep talking. But, I'll look it up because now but, I'm, I'm thinking like way too hard now. 
Yeah, because you know, I'm I, you know when I was thinking about this, you know, I was writing down the the stats, you know, after I watched the game, and I'm thinking, I'm like, holy shit, man, we only made 11 threes. Like that is that is shocking to me. Um, the Bucks do what they always do, and um, they didn't rebound the ball particularly well, even though we still won the rebounding battle. I thought that the Pacers kind of took it to us physicality wise a little bit in the second half. Uh, we did score a lot in the paint, 68 points in the paint. But the thing that that really, really bothered me is still the turnovers in and it's not the amount, I guess, but it's it's just the time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Timing of them is kind of, kind of what really gets to me with these turnovers. It's like, okay, the Pacers are on a – and I'm just throwing out random numbers. They're on, they're on an 8-2 to two run, and the Bucks need to respond. And they make a silly pass. I'm not, I don't even know who would make it, but – and then we turn the ball over and it's like, that's not the execution that we need in that moment. And, you know, I went into the game, you know, after we talk about stuff and you, you bring up good points about, okay, this is good for the bucks to be in these situations for the playoffs. Right. You said that last week. Yep. So after we have our episodes and you say stuff, I look for that in the games. I seriously do. I've done that since we, since we started this show. Where you'll say something, I'll be like, oh, okay. So that's what I'm going to watch for now. So I go into this game, and I'm looking for them being a close game and their execution, and it just wasn't there. And the Pacers was. Uh, George Hill made some shots. Jordan Awara made some shots. Kind of their little revenge game. But at the end of the day, <laughs> the Bucks are still first in the East, first in the NBA. We still have the best player. We're still We still have a really good head coach. We still have a great home court advantage. I mean – I don't think I saw anybody really freaking out about this game. A couple of people that were like, oh, it's we're, kind of a we're, trap game. We're going to miss Nora, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we're not. You know, in, in, in the next month of our lives, when the playoffs start, you know, and we're, we're thinking about seeding and, and potential matchups and all that shit, I guarantee 100%. This is on my daughter's life. I guarantee motherfuckers ain't going to be thinking about Jordan Nora. <laughs> Okay, what the fuck are we thinking about Jordan Nawara for? He's gone. Uh, I don't give a shit about no Jordan Nawara. He had a good game. Congratulations. What a goddamn game in March. Anybody can win in March. Yeah. Not everybody can win in June. That shit matters. Okay. Yeah. And I just got really fucking annoyed that people were like, "You're gonna miss Jordan Nawara." It's like, please shut up. <laughs> please shut up. I don't care about Jordan Nawara. I really don't. He wore a Bucks jersey. I cheered for him then. Don't give a shit yep. about him now. It is what it is. I'm yeah. gonna give the floor to you. Um, yeah, you go, Jordan. So I looked it up. the The Bucks like only three point shooting game where they weren't above like 38 percent was the Suns game last week. Oh, they shit. shot 30 percent in that game, but they still won it. Other than that, the Bucks have shot the the ball well from the three point line the entire month of March. See, I didn't even think about it because we won the game, so it didn't really stick out to me, I guess. Right. And the Bucks still scored 116 points that game. <laughs> Jesus. So, so um, 
no Brooke Lopez and no Jay Crowder in this game, I think is worth mentioning, especially Brooke Lopez being the important one. Yep. And what I was thinking of this is, you know, we're in the middle of doing our draft prep right now, right? For the Packers. And last week we were getting into our wide receivers, right? Mm-hmm. And we we talk about with wide receivers a thing called focus drops, where they're not you know entirely focused on the ball. They're looking ahead. They're looking at you know the guy who's going to come and try to tackle them. They're they're thinking about where their next move is going to be. Mm-hmm. This game to me felt like a focus drop by the Bucks, especially like in the second half. I'm with that analogy. That worked. It That's worked. just where my mindset was after looking at wide receivers and wide receivers and wide receivers and wide receivers. I'm like, this yeah. This game was a focus drop. <laughs> so, before I get specifically into, like, a lot of the things, what the fuck is up with TJ McConnell turning into prime Rajon Rondo every time he plays against the Bucks? I don't know, man. He plays really good against that drop defense. I'll say that. Every time we play against TJ McConnell, he turns into prime Rondo. He, he, he makes our- all the mid-range. He finishes like 13 points and 4,776 assists. <laughs> and he makes every three he shoots. Like, it pisses me off. He's the, he's the new Fred Van Vliet, bro. Like, dude needs to just chill out. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I swear to God, dude, if Peyton Pritchard goes off in any of the games between the Bucks and the Celtics series, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah, I can't stand him, though. I cannot stand him. Oh. Anyways, now that I got that out of my system, <laughs> um, seeing Bobby Portis and Joe Ingles coming along well close to the playoffs is encouraging. Uh, Pat Connaughton's getting a little bit better. He's playing a little bit fewer minutes while he's in his slump and while he's kind of recovering from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys are starting to really come along well. I have a bone to pick with Bleacher Report. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So Miles Turner... There are three dunks involving Miles Turner. One, Miles Turner dunks on Giannis. Two, yep. Giannis dunks on Miles Turner. Yep. Three, Myers Leonard dunks on Miles Turner. Which is the only one that Bleacher Report puts out a notification for? Well, the one on Giannis, of course. You realize Miles Turner is one of the best rim protectors in the NFL in the old in the NFL. In the NBA. <laughs> yes. 100%. And, and Bleacher Report doesn't put anything out about him getting dunked on three times. Giannis dunked on him twice, and Myers Leonard dunked on him. Bro, I shit you not. The Myers Leonard dunk got me out of my seat because I was like, <laughs> no fucking way. No you just got way. dunked on by Myers Leonard. No way. Uh, man. 10-day, get signed for the season, and he said, all right, I'm here now. Wham. I'm like, holy shit. They don't put that out there. What the hell? They'll put, but they'll put up Donovan Mitchell dunking on Yuta Watanabe. Yuta who the hella? Yeah. <laughs> Guy gets dunked on for an occupation. <laughs> like, no disrespect. Like, I I respect him for going up to contest shots, but he gets dunked on a lot. Well, and never mind. I'm not going to get into it. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> I'll leave it alone. Come on, Bleacher Report. Diversify your coverage. Yeah, be better. So, this is actually the first time that the Pacers won at Pfizer Forum. Oh, shit. They literally haven't won at Pfizer Forum since it's been built. What a Until this game. Wow. 
Did not know that. Uh, to their credit, the Pacers play at a fast pace. Fits with their name. But Drew Holiday did mention yeah. that it stood out as something they would need to um, handle a little bit better when they play him in the future. They do play the Pacers one more time. So, mm-hmm. um, Threes, you mentioned already. Indianapolis made twice as many as the Bucks. Um, the Bucks, one redeeming quality of the game. The Bucks were 18 of 26 on the free throw line. That's 69%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, I, I couldn't like notice it and be like, I can't not put that in my notes now. I know it, it, it's sad that my stepson, which I will not name his name because it's inappropriate that we make these jokes. Um, I told him, I was like, Oh man, they only had 68 points in the paint. He's like, Dang, they were so <laughs> close. And then I'm like, But they did shoot 69 from the free throw line. He said, Let's go. <laughs> so, yes, uh, we, we also noticed that in my house, but as long as it's like. It's one of those like innocence of children things that the, that makes it funny, but obviously like it's good he, that he doesn't know what it is. He definitely doesn't understand it. He just knows that I think it's hilarious, so he just always yeah. points it out. Every game we watch, when the, when there's a team on sixty nine, he's like, "Jake, look, look!" I'm like, "Aiden, I'm watching the game. I I've seen them get the sixty nine." Oh, all right. So second half, Pacers rebounds twenty four, the Bucks seventeen. Yikes. Second half, the Pacers. Oh, uh, this this is mm, the Pacers were 33 of 47 on field goals. Holy shit. 70% from the field in the second half. Wow. They were 13 of 19 from the three-point line. That's 68%. That's impressive, actually. I won't lie. That's fuck. Anyways, oh man, that sucks. Yeah. Um, there were every player from the Pacers that took more than one shot in the second half shot over fifty percent. Yep, I saw that actually. All of them. Yeah. yeah. Um. Giannis, 25-9-5. Chris Middleton, 16 points, 7 assists. Drew Holiday, 3 rebounds short of a triple-double. 19 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. Bobby Portis had 16-9. and nine. Joe Ingles had 14 points, 5 rebounds. Myers Leonard had 10 points. Pat Connaughton had 10 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 steals. Is there anything else you want to say from the Bucks and Pacers game? Nah. Um, actually, yes. I did notice this that when teams play at a faster pace, it's one of the few ways that they can actually take advantage of the Bucks defense because mm-hmm. if you, you know, and obviously, you know, the Bucks were turning the ball over timely and not making as many shots. So when the team isn't taking the ball out of the bottom of the net and they're able to just push the pace, you're able mm-hmm. to get better shots. It's kind of what happened in the 76ers game too. We started missing a few shots. The 76ers just pushed the ball up and they were getting good looks. So the Bucks' offensive execution definitely doesn't help the defense. But not having Brooke Lopez, you know, his his paint defense, I think, is just one of the more underrated things in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I don't think NBA fans of their teams don't understand it until they play the Bucks, Right. You know, 
And, you know, they, they see Brooke Lopez and, and he's just stifling everything, making everything tough. And then all of a sudden they're like, damn, Brooke Lopez is good. And, I, and then we're just sitting there just like, yeah, hey, we try to tell you he's the defensive player of the year. <laughs> right. Because he just changes everything. So it's if you go and you notice that Brooke Lopez sits out a game and then the Bucks give up 140 points, like that's that's an indictment on what Brooke Lopez does for your defense. One thousand percent. And I think that should definitely be part of his defensive player of the year candidacy. Sure. Um, what's up, James? Welcome back. So let's go to the Bucks and the Raptors game from Sunday. This game, Giannis became the Bucks' all-time leader in games played. He passed Junior Bridgman. He's he's really gonna be like far and away the best Buck in Milwaukee history. And if he's not already, like I really believe he's gonna be like the the best sports player in Wisconsin sports history. Ooh. Don't open that can of worms yet. Don't open that can of worms yet because that's a good debate. I think in a few years, we'll let Giannis win a couple more titles, but in a few years, that's that's going to be a good one. I'm going to I'm going to put it on a piece of paper and we'll this summer when the Bucks win their second title, uh-huh. we'll have this conversation. We'll do it as a bonus episode. That's that's fucking tough, dude. I think we should take a poll of like people in our lives who we respect their 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 sports opinions. Like you respect your dads, I respect my dads. I mean, I'm sure you have coworkers and, and other friends in your life, just Tony. like I do. Yeah, Tony. Tony's a good dude. I I miss seeing that guy. He's good shit. But um, yeah, we should definitely take a little poll and see see some answers because we might be shocked. I think my dad might say uh, Robin Yell, to be honest with you. He might say Robin Yell. My dad's a big Robin Yell guy. If that's tough, he, he, like, he might also say Giannis. Like, I could see, I could see, like, the argument for Bart Starr. Yeah. Ron Dane is probably up there. That's, that's a big can of worms to open. It is, dude. That's why I said, hey, chill. Yeah. chill. We'll, we'll save it. We can do a little bit of research on it with what. Easily make that an episode. Um, James said, can you believe there's only three teams in the in the NBA that have clinched a playoff spot and they're all in the East? That's that's funny. So Jake asked me a question last week, which conference I thought was better, the East or the West, and I think that uh, that helps answer the question pretty well, right, Jake? Yeah, dude, it's not even fucking close. <laughs> uh, so Jake, like- Jake feels so passionately that he turned into a New York Italian accent. It's like it's not even fucking close. It's not, dude. <laughs> it's not close. When you have to tell me that Oklahoma City is a good team to make your argument, you fucking lost. It's not close. Oh. It's not. Jake turned into a monster. He's like, it's not even fucking close. You, 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 you understand what I'm telling you? It's like, it's not even fucking close. Dude. And... <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. I I know that the Suns are beat up right now, right? The Suns at full health with KD is absolutely a problem. But the fact is, we're not playing ifs. We're playing facts. Right now, they don't have KD, okay? So without KD, the three best teams in the NBA are the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Bucks. It's... It, you have the three best teams in the entire league in one conference, and you're going to tell me that the other conference is better. Listen, listen. here's the thing. This is one of the teams that stands out to me 
is that the Dallas Mavericks have Kyrie Irving, Luka, Christian Wood, and some really solid role players. Mm-hmm. Like Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber are actually really solid players. Agreed. They're hovering around 500. Think about that, dude. They, they that team should players. be that team should be easily 10 games over 500. Luka's a top three player in this league. Yeah, I, I, um, James, James, I don't enjoy giving credit to the Sixers or the Celtics, to be completely fucking honest with you. Especially when you consider the cities they're from. But the matter of the fact is they're really good. They have really good teams. Yeah. They I would think I would say that the, the Sixers are a little bit better coached because I think that's that's the only problem with the Celtics is the coaching experience. Because they definitely have the talent. Let's just be completely honest about that. Yeah. But that's why I think the Bucks are better than the Celtics because I mm-hmm. think we have a roster that's equal to theirs, and I think our coaching, I think Bud with the experience is a little bit better. But I just can't wrap my head around that. Like I said, you have to tell me the Thunder is a good team. That 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 that's where your argument is hinging on. That the Thunder are a good team. It's over. It's the it's Thunder. The Thunder are not better than the Cavaliers. No, they're not. And the, they're, they're not, not better I mean, than the Knicks. I was just gonna bring up the Knicks. They're not better. I wouldn't than take them over the Nets either. James said Joe Missoula is unorthodox, but yeah, inexperienced. And he's he got put into a tough spot. Like he had to yeah. take over for a contender like right before the season started. Yeah. And then I'd be on a team with high expectations. Like that's that's a tough spot to be put in. Like and, I have no problem like giving him, you know, some credit for it. And, and the way that he got put there. That was kind of right too. And it's kind of like, ooh. But yeah, that that's the only problem with the Celtics, James. And you know, I'm not I'm not I don't think I'm being biased by saying that. I mean, you could tell me if I am, but um, I don't think I'm being biased by saying that, but Doc definitely has the experience over him as well. So, and, and I think the Bucks roster is better than the Sixers. Yeah. As far as like coaching strictly goes, like I would put Mike Malone above Joe Mazzulla, in my opinion. I would agree with that. So, all right, let's get back focused. Oh, we got on a little tangent. Sorry, dude, that is fucking bothering me. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people say it too. It's like I can't wait to clip you turning into a New York mobster when you get flustered about the East and the West. Just because the 12th place team is only a game behind the third place team doesn't mean that your conference is better. It just means you all fucking suck. Oh, that's my new favorite thing ever. It just means you all suck. We had two weeks in all right. So last week it was apples and bananas, and this week it's Jake turning into a mobster. Oh shit! Damn. Oh, this show is the best. So, the Bucks got off to a great start against the Raptors. Five of nine behind the three-point line. Yep. Um, turnovers kind of kept Toronto in the game early. The Bucks were still seven of eleven to start the three-point line. Um, and then Toronto went on an eight nothing and thirteen to three run to open the second quarter. Um, Chris Milton did get off to a really good start. He started three for four behind the three-point line. And did I not just say last week that Grayson Allen, or maybe it might have been the week before, that Grayson Allen has one rebound a game where he then gets like a, a momentum play? Yep, it was. And he grabs a defensive rebound, goes coast to coast, and gets like a like a like a scoop over and reverse layup. Dude, every once in a while he does a layup, and, and I'm just like, holy shit, I forgot he was athletic. <laughs> right? Or he gets like an alley-oop, and it's like Grayson flies through and dunks the ball. And it's like, oh, shit, I forgot that he's got that in his bag. Right. That's like our ninth option. He still gets it's, that. 
So, so just I just like this is the visual that I got. Like it's in the bottom of his bag, but it's like that thing where like or like if you're a dude and you're like looking for something in your pocket, and it's like the thing that's in the very bottom of your pocket, and you're like trying to like get all the shit out of the way, and they're like, here it is, I can dunk. Like that's <laughs> that's what it made me think of a Grayson Allen. I'm with that. Um, Tim asked for mobster weather report for Packers games. I'll see what I can do. I would do it. I would fucking love that. I'll see what I can if we can get you like you just got to watch nothing but the departed like for like three days straight leading up to Packers shows <laughs> <laughs> and you just got to imitate that or you can watch Mark Wahlberg and Ted and you have to just do that accent for the weather reports. Uh, I think it would alter ego for you. I got a lot of time to, to work on this, so we'll see what's going on, man. We'll oh, that would be awesome. That's a great idea, Tim. I'm going to write that down, Tim. I got my note card right here. Mobster <laughs> weather report. Oh, that's awesome. So the Bucks cooled off from the three-point line in the second quarter. They were three for 11 on threes in the second quarter. Um, Joe Ingles did actually play the really good, some really good like one-on-one defense in the second quarter as well. Um, and then also in the second quarter, Drew Holiday and Pat Connaughton running pick and rolls. It got Pat Connaughton two layups actually in this game. So just another wrinkle that we really had never accounted for in the Bucks offense. Just another thing that they can run to get guys some open looks. It helps that Drew Holiday is a really good passer, but yes. Agreed. Um, real quick before I jump into my thoughts on the second half, James asked, this is highly irrelevant, but I was reading about famous Cinderella stories in sports. The only one I could find from Wisconsin was the 2010 Packers. Maybe y'all know of any more. Um, I mean, I'd throw in the 2016 Packers, the run the table year to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, I'm not a Marquette guy, but I thought of the D Wade final four team. I think that was kind of Cinderella in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Cinderella. No. Ah. Uh. The Brewers, maybe, against the Dodgers. I know they didn't, like, win. True. They, they were a game away from the World Series. Yeah, so, 2011 that's... and 2018 Brewers. That's fair. And, and when Woodruff hit that homer off Kershaw, that was – Dude, that was – that's still – I still get chills every time I watch that. that. That's got to be a, a top 10 moment in Wisconsin sports history, uh, in my opinion. I get, I get chills just thinking about it. That was – oh, my God. Watching that live and, like, losing my shit. A pitcher hitting a home run off the best pitcher in baseball, L.A., Milwaukee. I mean, that's that. That's oh, that tied legendary. the game at that point too. Like, man, oh. man, yeah. I got chills now. I'm thinking about it. Ooh, Fuck man. right, fucking a. <laughs> um, all right, James. That's an interesting thing. I'll I'll write that down too. I'll, we'll see. We'll see. If we can bring that up. Yeah, man. Man, we're just coming up with ideas. We should. Uh, I'm gonna write this one down. The top. Uh, maybe do our top ten uh, favorite sports moments in Wisconsin sports history. We could do that too. Yeah, I mean, we're already planning on doing it for Rodgers, so. Yeah. All right, second half against Toronto. Four minutes and 45 seconds into the third quarter, the Bucks had eight turnovers, and Toronto had one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raptors had scored 13 points off of those turnovers. Yeah. So, a little bit of a rough start to the third quarter. Um, the Raptors hitting threes in the fast break helped build them a lead, and – uh, Marcus Johnson, to his credit, brought this up. Uh, the high pace, like the Pacers game, was getting them open looks in transition. So like you said, not having to set up, um, not being able to set up a defense after made shots, 
that makes it harder to get back in defense and makes it harder to, you know, find your guy and be ready to defend all those things. And Toronto took a big advantage in second chance points as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of the third quarter, Chris Middleton did hit a, a buzzer beater that cut the lead to six. That wasn't necessarily a buzzer beater, but there was like one second left. Yeah. It cut the lead to six. Um, I saw some people ragging on Chris Middleton for his defense in this game, but he was playing some tough defense against Pascal Siakam. And even if like he was getting beat, because he get, he got beat a couple times, but he's still going against Pascal Siakam. Like, dude's an all-star. Yeah, dude, and he's big as hell compared to Chris. Long as shit. Yeah. So that um, Brooke Lopez opens the fourth quarter with two and ones, ties the game. <laughs> yes, sir. Then, dude, this was so nasty by Brooke. To jab step towards the inside, drive baseline on Siakam, and throw down a reverse dunk. Brooke Lopez needs to chill out. Bro, Adol run by himself, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I started laughing. I was like, Brooke Lopez, bro? What is going on? Middleton scored two points after that. The Bucks went on a 10-0 run to start the fourth quarter. Uh, Brooke Lopez basically owned the fourth quarter on both ends of the floor. Uh, six minutes into the fourth quarter, Toronto had two points. God damn. <laughs> um, the Bucks' fourth quarter ball movement was also way cleaner. That stood out to me as well. Um, what stood out to you from the Bucks and the Raptors game? Well, I am going to say the Bucks missed Brooke Lopez against the Pacers. And the first thing I was going to highlight is that 8-0 run that he went on. Cause, and we brought it up. I don't remember if it was me or you. But we talked about his ability to just score off the dribble all of a sudden out of, out of nowhere. Like, we knew the defense was there. We knew he spread the floor with his three-pointers. But for him to start taking people off the dribble, and it's, like, so slow and hard to watch every once in a while. But, like, I expect it to go in now. Dude, he, dunked on, he did it on Devin Booker last week, and he dunked on him. <laughs> I'm just like, who the fuck is this guy? He's like, he's literally getting better with age. Like, he's just adding, you know, and you brought up Grayson Allen's bag before. Brooke Lopez is adding more shit to his bag, and it's it's ridiculous. He still has the back-to-the-basket game, which I love. He can always yep. go back to that. That's what he. That's what he's built on. Those are his principles. Yep. And then he added the three-pointer. So the back to the basket and three-pointer, that combo alone is disgusting. We know that he, he could turn into Dirk Lopez from time to time, right? Oh, yeah. And then now he's taking people off the dribble. I'm like, what is going on? And that dunk dude, that was crazy. He threw that bitch down. Like, he knew what he was doing on that son of a bitch. And that's probably the thing that really stood out to me the most. Also, Giannis was, like, literally on cruise control, dude. Like – he got he got a triple double. He didn't miss a shot, and it looked like he wasn't even sweating, dude. Like he literally was on <laughs> cruise control. He shot nine of nine, one of one from three. He ended with 22, 13, and ten on the and same two night, blocks. Yeah, and two blocks on the same night that he broke the franchise record for most games played. I was like, "There's just something about Giannis," and I'm like, oh, "What is it about Giannis? You know, that makes him so special? It's just goddamn timing of shit, dude." The NBA Finals, he decides to make almost all of his free throws in the closeout game and score 50 points to bring us our first title in 50 years. Think about that impeccable timing. Break the franchise record for most games played. Hey, you know what? I'll just become the fourth player in NBA history to shoot 100% on a triple-double. No big deal. Like, just another day at the office. 
And then for him to post after the game, and he doesn't even bring up stats. And this is what I love so much about this guy, man. He doesn't bring up that he's the fourth player ever to shoot 100% in a triple-double. The only thing he brings up is he's now the all-time leader in games played from Milwaukee Bucks. Think about that mindset. Any other player, any other superstar player, I should say, would be like, I just became the fourth player ever to have a triple-double shooting 100%. Like, for him to not even bring that up once just shows his character. He That, to me, said that he cared more about the team milestone than he cared about the league milestone. I honestly don't know if I can love a professional athlete more, and I love Giannis. I'm being dead serious. Giannis is already in my eyes, and this has nothing to do with the Rodgers drama that's going on right now. Yeah. Giannis has already reached that level of love that I've had for Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's a little bit different because I watched Giannis be a little skinny kid, mm-hmm. and you hear his story. And, you know, we all know the story at this point, right? Him yeah. sharing shoes with an asses and stuff. But for him to turn into the player that he is and still not lose – the, the person that he is in here like that to me is just something that I'll never forget. And I always tell Aiden, like my stepson is, he's a great athlete. Like, don't get me wrong. The kid just absolutely gets it right. Every day he comes up to me and we have a nice new basketball hoop at our, at our house. Now, every day he comes up to me, give me something to work on. Give me something to work on. And I always write something down. I'm like, okay, go work on this. You know, he's left-handed. So I'm like, okay, work on your right hand dribbling and finishing at the rim. Okay. Work on going right and doing a step back jumper. Right. Just random stuff like that. And I always try to keep him humble. And I always tell him, like, Aiden, I, you got to understand that you're 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 better than 90 percent of these kids at your age. Right. But I always want you to remember that you're still just a person. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're still you're still just one person. You're not better than them as a person. You're better than them as a basketball player. So always remember that and keep that in your heart. So I tell him to watch how Giannis carries himself. And we are so blessed to have a guy like that, that is can set an example for these kids. Yeah. Because a lot of athletes nowadays don't set that standard. Right. I just wanted to say that for for anybody who has kids, you can look at Giannis. That's what I was just going to say. Like, we're going to be at a point where, like, Giannis retires, you know, whenever it happens. And even players and teams of rivals are going to be like, look at what this guy did. Look where he came from. Look who he was during his career. Mm -hmm. Like, he knows that he's like going to dunk on everybody on your team. Yep. And he's going to flex and he's going to mean mug. And then afterwards he's going to go get Culver's and donate a bunch of diapers. Like (laughs) he's donating a fucking million dollars to mental health in Milwaukee. Think about that, man. I wish I had the opportunity to do that because I would love to. Absolutely. Maybe someday. Um, James said his role model is Drew Brees, even though he played soccer. And it's it's not doesn't have to be a sport thing. Yeah. It could be anything. You could want to be an actor and still look up to Giannis and the way that he carried himself. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't matter what you know what field you're in, you know, whatever it is, like you can be the best at whatever you're doing and still be a good person. Over the last couple of years, I know you know who Gary V is, and Gary mm-hmm. V is is very big on on spreading kindness and, mm. and and kind candor. And I've kind of tried to model myself after that. And people see me on the internet, and they know my name in a lot of a lot of trash talk groups. They know I like to talk shit. But at the end of the day, like I understand that we're all people, and I'll always be here for anybody who who needs it. You know, I understand there's ups and downs in life, and 
And Giannis is that person and Gary Vee is that person where they, they just spread kindness no matter what. And I told Chantel this the other day. I said, Giannis does it right. You know, to, to your point, I said, Giannis does it right. He knows that when he puts that jersey on, he tightens those shoes up. He's about to whoop your ass, okay? <laughs> he's about he's about to drop 40. He's about to drop 50. He's about to do whatever the fuck he wants because he's Giannis Adetokounmpo, right? But then when you get off the court, he could be like, you know, if, if a player has a problem, I'm sure they can go up to Giannis and be like, hey, man, how you doing? What do you think about this? And Giannis will literally give a straight answer. And I don't know if we're ever going to have a superstar better than him. I really don't. <laughs> it's it's going to be tough. Like, the bar is being set insanely high yeah it's it's ridiculous man I, I just keep looking around this room and everybody see and i just see all my Giannis posters and my figurines and i'm just like ah, damn man we are so fucking lucky to have this guy so in addition to him having the triple double this is his fourth triple double of the season it's yep. his second against toronto <laughs> he took that 2019 series fucking personally I was going to tell you to make this meme with the Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. He took that. He took that personally. He's like, Nick Nurse, like you are the one that designed the wall. I'm here to drop triple doubles on you on the regular. Yep. Now you forced <laughs> me to become a better passer. So thank you, Nick Nurse. Honestly. Um. So you mentioned Giannis's triple double. Brooke Lopez had 26 points. He scored 17 of them in the fourth quarter. Fucking cooking their ass. The Toronto Raptors scored 16. (laughs) Brooke Lopez outscored the Raptors by himself in the fourth quarter. That's just dumb, bro. That's just dumb. So 17 of his 26 in the fourth quarter. He also had five rebounds and two blocks. Joe Ingles had six points, five assists, five rebounds. Pat Connaughton had eight points, two assists, two rebounds. Drew Holiday didn't shoot the ball well, but had 11 points and seven assists. Javon Carter had nine points. He made three threes. Uh, Bobby Portis had 14 points, nine rebounds. And then Chris Middleton just doing Chris Middleton things, 20 points, eight rebounds, five assists, just doing what Chris does. He's really getting back into his groove. Um, And Grayson Allen, despite not shooting well, did have a team high plus 14. Interesting. Um, Tim said April 8th, Giannis Jersey giveaway at the Brewers game. Oh, like I want to go. I'm going on April 4th, so I'll be there um, two weeks from yesterday. So I'll be at the Brewer game. And then a little over two weeks after that is the launch, which is one month from today. So we will be at Camp Randall in one month. Um, For the people that don't understand, uh, the launch is a – they're doing a thing for Badgers football where it's like the first, like, practice open to fans. Open to – yeah, open to public. To public, so – uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be exciting. There's gonna be a lot of very high expectations, and we're gonna have to ask you to just calm down a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. we're gonna have our Badger football primer coming up in August. Yep. Uh, we're still figuring out location because we want to do that live. But yeah, we're gonna have to ask you to just calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's still the first year of Luke Fickle, but there is right. great stuff that we're building. So I will say that. So I want to bring up a few things outside of the game specifically on what like what I'm noticing from the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So first one in these two games, the third quarter. 47 third quarter points by the Pacers. Mm. 39 by the Raptors. Mm. That's they need to refocus on their their third quarter 
you know, like adjustments coming out of the third quarter focus. I agree. I agree. Seeing a lot of people giving Drew Holiday some shit because he's not shooting well over the last few games. He is averaging 8.3 assists per game in March. I mean... <laughs> you ready? You ready for this? This is nasty. You ready? I'm ready. So Drew Holiday is averaging 8.3 assists in March. Giannis is averaging 7.1 assists. Chris Middleton's averaging 6.6 assists. That's 22 assists per game you're getting just from the big three. Holy shit. Joe Ingles is also averaging just shy of four. And Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen are averaging two apiece in March. My God. <laughs> All of a sudden, you start adding these numbers up, and you're like, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> like 30 assists a game. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I've been noticing is we're seeing Mike Budenholzer mixing up the shooting guard minutes a lot. Um, Pat Connaughton in March is averaging 18 minutes a game. Grace Allen's averaging 25, and Javon Carter's averaging 20. So mixing it up at the shooting guard position, I think that one's still a little bit open as far as the rotations go. Yeah, I think he's just trying to find uh, which guy plays with this duo better and this Mm -hmm. trio better. Because you know know the four that are going to be on the floor. Right. So I got to also throw in like situational. Mm-hmm. Basketball as well. You know, if you need a three, you need a stop, you need, you know, hustle, whatever it is that you need in those moments, like knowing which guys you can use in which situations, I think is also worth noting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, Bucks have four games between now and next Wednesday. They play the Spurs tonight, and then they start another road trip, a four game road trip. They go at Utah Friday night, at Denver Saturday night, at Detroit on Monday night, and then they're uh, at Indiana after that, but we will have a show in between there. So mm-hmm. over those three games, I'm going to predict a three and one week. I'm going to say they lose to the Utah jazz just because that's like historically been a really tough place for them to play. It's going to be the first of a back-to-back part of a, a road trip where they're going out West for two days, but I'm going to say three and one for the week. Well, not to be a follower cause I'm usually a leader, but I'm going to piggyback and agree um, Utah, Utah would definitely be the one. I think Giannis, uh, especially after his comments about MVP, kind of wants to take it to Jokic, even though he won't say it publicly. Um, going into Denver and stomping all over Jokic, uh, you know, because he's just more physically dominant than Jokic. Jokic obviously has the vision. He's a tremendous player. I'm not trying to knock <laughs> yep. him down. But uh, Giannis did have a point with his uh, MVP criteria questions. Um, so I think Giannis is going to make a statement in that game. Then obviously the Spurs and Detroit fucking suck. So <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just don't lose your focus and, and just steamroll those games and let the, let the young guys get some minutes. Uh, I will say I was very excited to see that the, you know, you know, I don't cheer for the bulls. I give a lot of shit to Chicago. I was very excited to see that they beat the, the 76ers for us. They um, did. That was an so, overnight game. I think. Yeah, it was. I was really hoping I'm like, ah, oh, man, you know, these, these fucking guys are just right on our ass. You know, we only got a two game lead over both of them. I'm like, I kind of want to wrap the, you know, we play the Sixers and, and the Celtics yet. Right. I kind of want to wrap one seat up. So Giannis can rest for the last couple of games and get that rest, you know, as close to hundred percent as he can before he has to just dunk on everybody for the playoffs. So um, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Uh, Grace play- Allen. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say Jinx Yomi Soda. Um, 
<laughs> we we do play the Celtics and 76ers back to back coming up here. So that'll be a really, really important two game swing. Um, Grayson Allen was asked about it today. He said they are trying for the one seed. He said they're not like laser focused on it. They're not like checking it every day, but they are aware of it. So as they as are. As they should be. Right. Yeah. Make the make the playoffs come through the best player in his arena. Right. M- make that happen. That that's what championship teams do. Yep. Yeah. All right. You got anything else you want to throw out there? Nah, man. We're we're playing some good basketball at the at the right time. Both teams. I agree. So we will be back Friday night. So Friday night this week for the draft prep is. Offensive line. So we're going to be talking guards, tackles, centers. It's not the sexiest position group to be talking about, but it is a very, very necessary one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, before when you were talking about wide receivers, I was like, you know the transition from going from a bunch of giant athletic guys to giant unathletic guys? I mean, they're <laughs> athletic in their own way, but right. from guys running four threes to guys running fives. <laughs> I'm like – Right. Is this guy moving? It's 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 still offense and it's important positions. Right, right, so right, right. they need to be talked about. So we will be discussing offensive linemen on Friday night. So we will see you for that. And right. thank you everybody for watching and commenting along. Later, y'all. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.